0: Hey everyone and welcome to Livingston First Church. We're so glad you're joining us today. We really hope you're ready to hear a great message from the Word of God. So prepare your hearts, prepare your ears, and get ready to receive a blessing from the Lord. Be blessed. John called me about 7 o'clock Monday afternoon, Monday evening, and I'd had a 15 and a half hour day at Chick-fil-A. I was utterly like drained and tired. And he's like, God's told me that you're supposed to preach on Sunday. And I'm like, I'm glad he's told you because he sure had not told me. So <laughs> I'm glad he gave you that revelation knowledge because he hadn't given it to me yet. And he said, He said, well, why don't you go home and pray about it and just let me know something in a couple of hours. And I went home and Shelby goes to a Bible study with some of her girlfriends that night and on Mondays and she was gone there. So I was just kind of listening to worship music and God was like, remember, remember I, I set you apart. Yeah. And he's like, We just, you know, you just went to um, this leadership school down in Mexico and you know you've been set apart. You know you've been called." He goes, so here's your opportunity. And Satan, of course, this week has played in my mind that I wasn't worthy, that I wasn't good enough, and all those expectations, you know, that would have probably come along with it. And I've had to fight that all week. And then Steve steps up here and gives this amazing message a few minutes ago, and I'm like, "How am I going to follow that?" <laughs> like, like, and um, you know, but God calmed my nerves. I I preached at Shiloh this morning, and John kind of gave it, it like this. He said I was kind of like running a drag race and that I usually to slow down. I said, but I believe I was like as nervous as a long tail cat in a room full of rocking chairs. <laughs> it was probably like, what happened over there? So uh, praise God, I got a do over. <laughs> so. Um, But I just want to start off by praying for us this morning. And dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to thank you for this day that you've given us, Father God, Lord. And I just ask that you just allow any of the words that proceedeth out of my mouth be nothing but of me but all of the Holy Spirit, Father God, Lord. And I ask that you prick the hearts and minds of everyone here, Lord, that you know what message is supposed to be for them, Father, and that you open up their hearts to hear it. In your precious Son's name, amen. Amen. So I know John's been talking about the last couple of... um, Weeks about uh, spiritual warfare, and I do a devotional at Chick Fil A. When I got back from um, from Mexico, my boss, our owner-operator, Ben, was like, "Hey, every week, because I feel like you should just do a, a small devotional on our on our Facebook page for all the employees at Chick Fil A." So I started doing that once I got back, and God led me to this week to the um, to Second Chronicles chapter twenty, verse fifteen, and he was talking about um, Jehoshaphat and how I believe that we're all struggling with a battle all of us have these battles in our life who who has a battle in their life that you feel like you cannot fight and that you're losing it every single day and I think that's us and in, in general and so Jehoshaphat had this huge battle these armies had merged together. And then another set of armies that merged together and they were coming against the Israelites. And Jehoshaphat had found, in, found out in one day. He knew one day this was going to occur. And I look at that and I think about the people in our lives that get that diagnosis that they don't know that was coming. Or you get that unexpected bill in the mail that you can't pay. And you're like, God, how am I gonna make it through this? Our biggest battle I think for my life and Shelby that it hit us was, you know, we're gonna have a little girl in about two weeks. And I have, you know, in my mind, fought, you know, all these different things. You know, Shelby had got accepted to grad school on Thursday. We found out we were pregnant on Friday. That was, that was the extent of what happened in our household. Needless to say, we were excited, but she was losing her mind. <laughs> like, like, you know, I love my wife, but, you know, as you know, they get a little crazy sometimes. <laughs> N- nothing against them. But... Um, You know, so I, and of course me, when we found out I'm laughing, I'm joyous. And she's like, how can you be laughing? Our life is like, we can't afford a child. We don't, how are we gonna like, you know, I'm supposed to go to grad school and like all this. I'm like, you know, but God. And I had to go back and I was looking at the scripture and Jehoshaphat talks about how he started to remind God of what he had done in his life and what he had done in the Israelites life. And then, when we get down to chapter to verse fifteen, he said, "Jehoshaphat starts to tell the Israelites that this is what 's going to occur he's like He said, "Listen, all you people of Judea and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid don 't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but god 's Tomorrow, march out again." Them, You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the, end of, at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jerul. But you will not even need to fight. The battle wasn't theirs anyway. God was already going to take care of it. Take your possessions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judea and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged." Go out against them tomorrow for the Lord is with you. The King Jehoshaphat bowed his face to the ground and all the people of Judea and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites from the clans of Coeth and Koray stood to, the, to praise the Lord, the God of Israel with a very loud shout. Early the next morning, the army of Judea went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way to Jehoshaphat, on the way Jehoshaphat stopped and said, listen to me, all you people of Judea and Jerusalem, believe in the Lord, your God, and you will be, you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. After consulting the people, the, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what the song, the song they gave, give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures for other, forever. Joseph was like, we're all gonna get together and we're gonna praise this through this storm we're about to happen. Yeah. And when that happened, the armies turned against each other and started to fight each other and they reaped the benefits of what occurred. Right. But the thing about this is the prophets knew who God was. Yeah. They knew who he was in their life. And I know this is gonna kind of sound strange, but we're gonna flip over to Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Because I have to explain to you how it fits into my life. i got to go to. So, everybody knows Luke chapter 15, verse 11. It's the parable of the lost son, or the prodigal son, as it's called. If I had to title my message, I know I've kind of been through it, but it would be, how does a child win a battle? So when you're a little boy or a little girl, who do you run to when something happens? You run to daddy. When everything is falling apart, you're seven or eight years old, you run to daddy. And I think a lot of times we forget our sonship and our daughtership, we forget who we are So to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them a story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth before his sons. When I was 15 years old, my father had been diagnosed with cancer. He had been suffering with it for about three and a half, four years. I found out roughly when he was like, when I was 12. And I was like most 15 year olds, rebellious, wanted everything my way, like most teenagers. We got, I wanted to go to a friend's house. We got to argue and got upset. And I looked at him and I said, I wish you would die. The words that came out of my mouth. And the next morning, my father had a massive stroke. Those were the last words I uttered to my father. I went to school, he had a stroke while I was at school. My mom went up, those were the last, he lived for about two days after that, but he lost his ability to speak. The last words uttered out of my mouth were, I wish you would die. So I feel like I fit into the prodigal son. A few days later, the younger son packed all of his belongings and moved into a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money in wild living. About that time, as money ran out, a great farmer swept over the land and he began to starve. He pursued a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The younger man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. From age 15 to 29, I lived a life of utter, uh, the only way to put it is hell. I served nothing but myself and anything that pleased me. Um, I got an active addiction, pornography, you name it. I was involved in any form of sin act there was, Uh, promiscuous living, all those things. Um, got a, drugs and alcohol became my only vice to set me free what I thought was setting me free but the only, only thing it was doing was holding me in bondage and the only way I could cope with the loss of my dad and what I had said was by getting high and so but I had lost everything I, I, I made it to the point of the pig pen like I was, I was wallowing in it and on June 20th of 2014 God put a brakes on me I hit a brick wall, concrete actually, had a metal door, but it had eight eight by 10. (laughs) And eight by 10 with three other people is not really great. So, but I hit that wall and as most people do, we call out for help. Well, the first person I call out is my mom. You know, we call the first person, We, oh mom, I'll never do this again, I'm sorry. And my mom looked at me, she said, I'm done, son. I am done. This is the fifth time, or fourth or fifth time, I don't know, I can't even count, lost count. It was numerous times. And she's like, you're just gonna have to figure a way to get yourself out of this mess yourself. And then we say in rehab and treatment that once you hit that, once your mom, that call doesn't work, you hit what we call knee mail, which, <laughs> which is where you're in your bunk and you, hit, you get on the ground and you're like, God, I don't know what I'm gonna do, but if you would just get me out of this situation, I will do Anything. Anything, be careful when you say anything. <laughs> but six or seven days rolled around, and I was there, and they had told me that I was going to spend at least sixty days before I could see the judge, but God made a way seven days later, that they called my name, I came out, and they 're like you 're going to go you 're going to go to a treatment facility down in South Georgia, a little place called the Christian family center and back, I'm telling you all these things, You know, I didn't have God in my life at all. So when my mom says, you're going to a Christian facility, I'm like, you've lost your mind. I'm not going, a bunch of Jesus freaks. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm not going to like some church camp in the middle of the woods. And she was like, you'll either go there or you'll go back to where you came from. And so I did and I hated it because I knew what they were saying was correct, but I didn't want to accept it. So even though I was out, It says that the son finally came to his senses. And he said to himself, at home even the hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I was hungry for something more in my life. I was destitute, starving. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have ascended against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me as a hired servant. October 24th, 2014, I accepted Christ into my life because I had to get to the point that I had to say, Father, I'm not worthy. None of us are worthy. Only Jesus Christ in me is worthy. But I had to hit the bottom of the barrel before that would happen. And I'm not saying that happens in every life, but that's what my pride had to take me to. And since then, God is, I spent four and a half years at that facility. I worked for the facility. I became a mentor there. I mentored other people that were there. But while I was there, I got the opportunity to go on a trip to Brazil in 2016. And you're probably saying, well, how did this little Georgia boy ended up transplanted in Livingston, Tennessee? It's because of God. Because when I said, God, I will do anything, anything, if you'll help me in this situation, I had to answer the anything. So after some careful things, and I ran into some people that you may know them. <laughs> They're Catherine and Dino Cates. <laughs> um, I met them in Brazil. I met Catherine in Brazil. Broken, still broken. Still God was still working on, bro- I, think, I think I get a new piece of me fixed every day. And if we don't, then we shouldn't, You know that's what should happen. But I was so broken and torn that they ministered to me, and we kept in the, you know, we kept in constant conversations and different things over the years through Rick Balmford Ministries. And, you know, when there were some issues that came up in my life, and they were like, "Come spend the weekend with us." And then I met John, and I met Pastor Craig, and I met, you know, that was probably like the only four people, maybe Miss Tina, that I knew from there. And then, you know, the one thing I love about First Church is y'all just loved on me. I walked in the door, and people started loving on me which is what we have to do to be able to experience the Father's love and to understand that you're a son or a daughter. And that's what this church, I believe, does so well. You just love on people. And that's what happened. And, you know, I I prayed here and God, you know, we talked back and forth and I was like, you know what? Maybe I just need to start all over. And Dino and I had some conversations. So that's what we did. We're like, you know, we feel like we're on the same path. And so we like, I moved up here and, you know, God immediately started opening doors in my life for a place to live, a job, you know, to the point that my job, I met my beautiful wife, you know, to now that we're having a beautiful daughter on the way. And God did all these things because I said yes when when every time else I said no. But I had to realize that I was a son. I had to get that in my heart that I was a son. So we've talked about the prodigal son, but we need to go down here and talk about the older son. Because I feel like that's where a lot of the church in America is today. They're the older son. And they're the older son because they're judgmental of the fact that somebody does get a blessing. So they're like, well, this is not fair. Why do they always get, you know, they're you know, this person lived and this person died, and we go back and forth as humans. But also, you know, they hate when they see, you know, someone getting financial blessed and they're not. So if we go down to verse, I'm just gonna skip through to verse twenty-five. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house and he asked one of the servants what's going on. Your brother is, is back. He is, he is, he was told, and your father has killed the fatty calf, calf and we are celebrating because he is safe in return. When you become a son of God and start living your life as a son of God, people notice it. They're going to see it the minute it happens. And my life and trajectory in my family changed because they wanted nothing to do with me and now my family wants everything to do with me because they know that I'm not that individual anymore. But that doesn't mean everybody's gonna like it. <laughs> my older sister liked me being the black sheet up of the family. It made her look good. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm just saying, you know, if if all else failed, I would usually screw something else. So she was okay. Um, No, my sister's wonderful, but I'm just saying like, you know, it it always doesn't look great to the older sibling or the younger sibling, whichever one you play into, because someone always looks better than the other one sometimes, not meaning to. In verse 28, the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. I want to stop right there. There's an amazing word that's in there that says I slaved for you. As the church... Especially in a lot, my my wife comes out of a different denomination prior to this one. That we feel based that we have to do all these great things for God to accept us. We have to pray every day. We have to, you know, check these boxes of things. You know, I paid my tithe. I did this. I went and gave one time this year, I, I gave money to some, you know, organization where, you know, it's Compassion Sunday. So if I did a Compassion Sunday thing, then I'm good. You know, God's, but, but, The older son is reminding God, I did these things and yet you accept him. And I feel like a lot of the church, the modern church does that every day. These people are getting breakthrough. Why am I not getting breakthrough? Because their heart is not where it's supposed to be at. Their heart is, I'm a slave. I have to do these things. But God never said you had to be a slave. He only said you had to be a son. And he tells him that. He says, and all in time you never gave, yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fatty calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, he calls him straight out, you are my son. Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me. For those saints that are out there, praise God, because my mother was one of those and that's how I got saved. You always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. Sometimes we forget while we're slaving and all of our lives or so much are going on and all these kind of things, that all we have to do is be a son. All we have to do to win the battle is call out daddy. Daddy, I can't do this. There's an old, uh, there's an old country song and I forget how it goes, but he talks about how if he flies out to go make records in, in um, I think it's a George Jones song or Hank Williams, but he fly, if he goes out west and he gives up everything, he said, what will I do? And he says, um, son, that's my job. I'll bring you home. If you lose everything, I will bring you home. That's what our Papa's telling you. If you're losing everything, if the battle can't be won, it's, it's okay, son, I got it. I will take care of it. Daughter, I, I will take it. It is all in my control. Just give it to me. <clears throat> so I wanna I wanna close with some lyrics from a song that I'm a big elevation worship song fan and I have their album downloaded, but you only get a their new album only gives you a new song every week. I guess they perform it on Sunday, so that you can't get it until after that. <laughs> So, but their, their new album has came out and the song that came out this, way, this week was Wait On You. And I feel like this has been my anthem since Tuesday because as we're waiting for little Miss Emerson to be here, all we're doing is waiting. Like I can pace back and forth. I'm like, okay, like, you know, Shelby will call and I'm like, this is the phone call, but it's not the phone call, it's just. <laughs> I've gone to the bathroom three times a day. Like, that's, that's, that's what it is. You know, but you're so anxious and you're so worried about all these issues and God's just saying, wait on me, I'll take care of it. And the verse goes, I don't believe in fairy tales. I guess I've outgrown them. But that doesn't mean I don't believe that there's something bigger than me. Because I've seen it in a, in a hospital room when the doctor said, sorry, there's nothing more we can do but you still pulled us through. I've never seen a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, but I've got a promise I can hold in the middle of this struggle. God, if you said it, you'll perform it. May not be how I want you to, but here's what I'll do. That is where I, I, I was stuck on that. i like, this may not be how I want it to happen, but at the end of the day, it will come out better and faster normally if I get myself out of the way of it. The last verse, I know you've ordered every step. You are the author and there's nothing, there's no predicting what is next, but you hold the future and all the questions, they come second to the one I know is true. You've always been true. And the court says, I'm gonna wait on you I've trusted your goodness, goodness. I'll trust in your promise, and I'm going to wait on you. Yeah. And I feel like we need to own our sonship and our daughtership, so that when the battle does come, or the, and the battles are there, that we'll know who to turn to and who can fight them for us. Because we're only drawing ourselves, making ourselves weary. We're only hurting ourselves worse. And I love what Steve said, we're here for the breakthrough today. You know, God just did a breakthrough. I was a nervous wreck an hour ago, (laughs) but, you know, John prayed that I will be able to step into the breakthrough of my calling. And that's what's happening right now. Little bit by little bit, I will accept the breakthrough. But it's only because It's in his will, not in mine. Because if I was up here, I'd be a blubbering idiot. (laughs) So I couldn't put two words together and they'd be tongue tied. Thanks so much for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that the Holy Spirit truly ministered to you through this message from the word of God. If you'd like to know more, look us up at livingstonfirstchurch.com or follow us on social media. And we look forward to seeing you in person soon.